BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, and welcome to the Josh Marshall Podcast. This is David Tainter. We are back with another convention recap. I'm joined by Matt Shuham and Summer Concepcion. How are you doing? Hi. Doing well. Thanks for having us. Surviving. Yeah, um... I'm with Matt on that one, just, just surviving <laughs> two more nights. <laughs> two more nights. Yes, we're um, we're kind of at the halfway point of the week, and I guess in the home stretch of this two-week run of late-night convention coverage that we've been uh, throwing ourselves into. Before we get started, uh, as a reminder, the Josh Marshall Podcast is sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew. We need it more than ever on mornings like this, Gosh. and yeah. you can get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com by using the promo code TPM. So, last night featured uh, a couple of made-for-TV spectacles. We had a pardon ceremony at the White House with Donald Trump kind of awkwardly standing between um, John Ponder, a convicted bank robber who Trump ultimately pardoned, and a retired FBI agent who was the one to arrest uh, the man uh, initially. This was reported ahead of time, but we didn't quite know how, I guess, the, the whole spectacle would play out. But that wasn't the only kind of made-for-TV moment at the White House. We also had uh, President Trump host a naturalization ceremony for, what, about six uh, newly sworn in Americans? I think five, yeah. Five, uh, with Chad Wolf, the acting Homeland Security Secretary, kind of reciting the pledge for them. So, Matt, you've you've covered, you know, concerns about the Hatch Act before, and can you just tell us about the Hatch Act for listeners who might not uh, be familiar with, uh, with its protocols and kind of limitations and kind of what you made of these two White House events last night. Yeah, the Hatch Act uh, basically prohibits executive branch employees from using their position, their titles, the trappings of their office for politics. Um, So, you know, when Kellyanne Conway told people to go out and buy Ivanka's clothing, um, stuff like that, uh, anytime somebody makes a political appeal from the White House briefing room, it's mainly it's trying it's it's the law that is basically a firewall between politics and government, and so the what we saw yesterday was the demolition of that wall. Um, you know the the naturalization ceremony. Uh, it's important to note the Hatch Act doesn't apply to the president because he kind of has to do everything at once and it's impractical. So the pardon, you know, probably didn't uh, violate the Hatch Act, but um, it was sort of kind of the the blurring of lines between politics and government that most presidents are really careful to avoid because when you start using government for politics, um, it's sort of a distortion of democracy. Uh, This is the thing that Trump was impeached over, you know, using politics to uh, uh, government, an official call with the leader of Ukraine to try to advance his political cause. So um, the entirety of last night was him doing that over and over again. 
Right. Summer, tell us about a couple of the other highlights last night, a couple of the other speeches that stuck out or or that listeners should know about if they didn't catch the whole program. Yeah. So as you mentioned, there was the pardoning and the naturalization ceremony. But then at the very end of the night was First Lady Melania Trump's speech, which was broadcasted from the newly renovated White House Rose Garden. And it's just, it, it was so blatantly obvious that former producers of The Apprentice were behind a production <laughs> of this year's RNC because as Melania was walking in, <laughs> she has that long walk and it was, there was orchestral music playing in the background and it really was more reminiscent of doing an Oscars speech more than actually doing a Trump campaign speech. But I do have to say, I do think, I do think it was a lot more um, with the speechwriter that she had worked with. I think it's a lot more, um, yeah, it was a lot more measured in, in the sense of, I mean, Melania came under fire back into 2016 RNC for <laughs> hiring a speechwriter who had worked on her husband, some of her husband's books. And there was plagiarism from Michelle Obama's speech in 2008 at the DNC. So I did not catch a whiff of that this time around, but it was just more of the optics that were very reality TV-like. Right, right. And I guess even Melania Trump's speech, which was not super political, I guess, and was one of the only instances in the night or the whole convention so far to really acknowledge the loss and suffering that Americans have faced amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the nearly 180,000 people who have lost their lives. That was kind of an afterthought or not even a thought, I guess, in a lot of the convention. And Melania's speech was sort of the first real acknowledgement of family's pain and loss. So I thought that was notable. We also had Secretary of State Mike Pompeo speaking from Jerusalem in a pre-recorded speech. We had President Trump's kids, Eric Trump and Tiffany Trump. Um, Matt, what else jumped out to you from last night? I do think the Pompeo uh, speech was important um, because even him being involved was sort of unusual. Um, Although at the same time, you'll note that he he took pains to avoid using his um, actual title. He said something like, um, I have a big job as like a, a father and a, a husband or something like that. Like he wouldn't say, I am the secretary of state, even though, you know, State Department resources got him to Jerusalem and worked out the logistics so that the Wailing Wall was over his shoulder. This was a, a staged thing. Um, I th so I think that was pretty important. It was just one of those, again, one of those walls that was kind of bulldozed over. Um, I also think important to point out, like a lot of what we saw yesterday was contrary to the way the president has actually governed. Like he pardoned uh, that man on TV, but at the same time, his his Justice Department is really aggressive in pursuing federal crimes. Uh, it's a law and order. Justice Department, uh, you know, he held the naturalization ceremony, but at the same time, he has really cracked down on who gets to become a citizen. And um, there's sort of this concept of a paper wall, you know, like 
there's the there's the wall on the border, but the Trump administration is also putting a whole bunch of obstacles uh, up uh, for people who try to become citizens and try to do this the right way, so to speak. Um, so I know that it's I I try to avoid using hypocrisy as a story because it's 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 not easy to wrangle those that type of reporting, but it, to me it was just a really hypocritical night because. It, it was all this soaring rhetoric about what it means to be an American and, and redemption and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it, it just, it wasn't in line with the policies they've, they've pursued. So I think that's noteworthy, even if it's not, you know, strictly confined to the events of last night. Right. Summer, anything you would add to that? I wholly agree with Matt's assessment right there. And um, I would also like to add, even with Vice President Mike Pence's video appearance in that was front so of, weird. of yeah. well I, I, it appears to be a green screen <laughs> of abraham lincoln's childhood home but the point being is that the people who he was talking to during that video segment um as a reminder mike pence is the head of the white house coronavirus task force and we are obviously still in the middle of a pandemic and it is we're still experiencing a surge of cases throughout the country, but here he is talking to, um, you know, everyday Americans, but they're just, uh, they're not social distancing or wearing masks like the members of the White House Coronavirus Task Force have been preaching, like what Fauci and Burks have been advocating for, for pretty much uh, most of this year at this point. So there's also that, for lack of a better term, hypocrisy, contradiction, that also garden, just stood too, out right? to me. The no masks in the Rose right. Garden. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I meant to mention earlier that Melania Trump's speech at the Rose Garden, those were 50-something, I think there were about 50 or so people who were attending, and there was no social distancing whatsoever, or masks, or at least I couldn't spot mask wearing in the audience. So... You know, there's a series of contradictions here that happened last night during this reality TV style production. Right, right. And uh, maybe we can end on end on this note, which came at the beginning of the RNC last night. Matt, there was a bit of drama even before the broadcast began, where when one of the speakers, one of the scheduled speakers, was pulled at the last minute for promoting even just that afternoon a anti-Semitic conspiracy theory on Twitter. Tell us kind of a, about that and and how that unfolded a little bit. Yeah, so this is uh, Mary Ann Mendoza, and in 2014, her son was killed by a drunk driver who also died in the car crash, um, and the drunk driver was an undocumented man. So she, uh, Mendoza, has become a spokesperson of sorts for the White House, and also for groups like We Build the Wall, who are you know now facing a bunch of federal indictments for uh, uh, immigration laws that really crack down on undocumented people. Um, what happened yesterday was, uh, I think it was early in the morning, she shared a Twitter thread, she promoted a Twitter thread that uh, asserted that the protocols of the elders of Zion is not a fabrication. Um, she said the Rothschild, it was something about how the Rothschilds control the world and whatnot. Uh, she deleted it, she apologized, but because of that, uh, the Trump campaign later confirmed she was uh, booted from, from the program. Uh, Worth noting, though, that a lot of these QAnon, you know, types, and, and she is one of them, 
there's a spectrum of conspiracy theories. You know, it's okay to say that George Soros controls the State Department, apparently. Um, but once you go into the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, which is basically, you know, the urtext of anti-Semitism, then you're crossing a line that the event organizers sort of, it seems like they, they felt they had to acknowledge that that <laughs> violation by, by kicking her from the program, which, you know, good for them, I guess. But um, Right. A close yeah. call, nonetheless, uh, since <laughs> yeah. it happened, I guess, right around 8 o'clock, right, um, about right. a half an hour before the broadcast started. All right. Well, I think that takes care of uh, night two of the GOP convention. We will be back tomorrow with uh, more news. Mike, Vice President Mike Pence is the headliner tonight, I believe. As a reminder, the Josh Marshall podcast is sponsored by Grady's Cold Brew. I'm literally drinking some right now as we talk. Mm-hmm. You can get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with the promo code TPM. Matt and Summer, thank you as always, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Yeah, see everybody online tonight. Thanks so much for having me. This has been great and obviously a very hectic time. But yeah, thanks to all the listeners for tuning into our podcast.